0: Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person you can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you, Val, for a reading. A bit of a longer read this morning. And I just feel like my heart is kind of full this morning, hearing um, some of your testimony, uh, seeing the young kids. Uh, we had quite a crew of young kids. Uh, They're here this morning and just, yeah, just hearing what God's kind of doing and what's on your heart. uh, I just feel like my heart is kind of full. Um, Saddened for some of you that are grieving and struggling, but also just sensing the hand of God uh, on our lives and walking with us. And uh, Emma, I think I just want to say to you, we really appreciate you. And I know you, you weren't here when we said goodbye to you as a deacon. Uh, but I think we just want to recognize you here this morning and just uh, thankful for your service and thankful for your evangelistic heart. I think that's something that you just need to fan and continue to pray into that. So thank you, Emma, for sharing this morning. So we're continuing a series this morning, or a, a, more of a, a monthly series, um, that I am affectionately calling Kavotham, which is sort of an acronym, but there's an H thrown in there to make it sound a little uh, smoother. And I should tell you, my track record with making up words is not so good. Um, I've regretted words that I've made up, because uh, when you make up a word and then forget later that you made it up, it really confuses people. Uh, I'll tell you a story. We, When Liz and I were in the Philippines... Uh, there was kind of like a YWAM team would come from Denmark every few years. And one year we had a team from Denmark and we were going to make s'mores for them. And I said, oh, what's the, what's the Danish word uh, for marshmallow? And they said, well, we don't have a word, we just marshmallow. And if you've ever heard Danish people speak, there's kind of a, a rhythm to it. And I said, well, let's make up a word, a Danish word for marshmallow. So I said, how about marshmallows are scrumptious. So I said, skrumpidusen. That was my made-up word, and they thought well, they thought that was kind of funny, but uh, they just, uh, it, it didn't stick. I don't think you can look in a Danish dictionary now and see the word scrumpy-doos. But anyway, a few years later, we had a, a Danish team come again, and actually a Danish word. So um, I looked quite the fool, because I was so confused. That, no, 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 you, I must be saying it wrong. There's a Danish word for marshmallow. And they're like, no, there's not. I was just like, all right. So... That's my history with made-up words, so hopefully this one doesn't get me in trouble again. But I want us to get into a rhythm as a church where every month we are all wrestling with the same scripture, thinking about it, praying through it, um, perhaps gathering in small groups. Um, just that every, every month there's a scripture that we're all kind of on the same page, looking at this same, same passage. Um, so every month I'm going to continue to choose a passage and I've already got all 12 picked out for the year, 12, 12 passages that I think are really foundational in our belief, important ones that we, we should know and that we should be familiar with. So every month, again, I'm going to preach a sermon on, on that passage and then I'm going to encourage you during the week. I've got a handout here, uh, my handsome young man in the front row. I need your help again to hand these out. So every week I'm going to preach through it, and then on this sheet you'll see uh, four questions. Go ahead, guys, just hand them out to everybody, please. Thank you. So I'll preach through it, and I'll give you these three questions that are on here, and I encourage you during the month uh, to wrestle with them, to work through these questions. And then there's also a link here on the bottom Uh, I'll send out that in an email probably on Tuesday again, but I encourage you to try out this online discussion. A few of you were brave enough to try it out, um, but give it a try. Go to that link and join sort of a a mini online discussion. We'll see how it goes. Um, I found it really helpful to read other people's thoughts and kind of what they came up with, um, so feel free to join that. But I really encourage you... Uh, to join our in-person discussion so this month uh, on february 25th which is a sunday we're going to gather here in the church uh, at 7 p.m and just spend about an hour maybe a bit more working through these questions together talking about the scripture normally i'd want to do that on a saturday but we're away at conference uh, on that saturday so that's why i'm doing it on the sunday so yeah it's kind of a rhythm i want us to get into so question again, why do this? What's the point of wrestling through Scripture? Why are we focusing every month on a passage? Because the Word of God is our anchor, and as followers of God, we need to know it, and we need to learn how to hang on to it. We need to study it, to read it, and I think we all need practice in listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit as we read Scripture we need to know how to do that as believers can someone read out nice and loud hebrews 4:12 who's got the fastest fingers nice and loud somebody read out hebrews 4:12 for the word of god is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Thanks, Gail. What does this verse tell us about God's Word? It's alive. God's Word is living and active. means the Bible is not, this is not just some historical document. It's not like any other book written by a philosopher or or some wise sage. There is something unique about this book. When you read this book, whose voice can you hear? It's not a trick question. What was that? God's. You can hear God's voice, the creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, the one who's been here for all eternity, who, who made everything, who sustains everything, you can hear his voice. That's why we that's why we read the word. That's why we spend time in it. So the passage this month, as, as Val read, is Exodus 21 to 21. And I'm gonna suggest a, a few verses that are important, ones you could memorize. And I would encourage you this month, memorize verses 1 to 3, Exodus 20, verses 1 to 3. So before we jump into the questions, I just want to work through the questions myself as kind of an example, and just to kind of get our our thoughts flowing. I think we need a bit of a reality check, a reminder of the world we live in. And I don't want to do this often. I don't want to be sharing on a Sunday morning sort of looking for hot button topics in our culture. But I think it's something that's important for us to be reminded of, because it it reminds us of the world that we live in. So in the States recently, in the last couple of weeks, there was this um, big Senate hearing. All these senators had gathered together, and they pulled into this hearing the owners of sort of the major social media companies. So the owner of Facebook was there, Um, I think TikTok, Discord, um, and a couple others. I don't remember their names. Is anyone familiar with this? Has anyone seen anything on this? If you go into YouTube, you can find it. Um, but I, I watched parts of it. I watched most of it. didn't watch all of it. watched most of it. And I'll be honest, it terrified me. Now, you have to remember, these senators are doing a bit of grandstanding because they bring in these guests and they want to show how smart they are and they want to you know, look good in front of their constituents. So there's a bit of that going on. But the points they're bringing up with these companies are are legitimate, I think. And what terrified me is that these social media companies, and many of them have billions of users, and they're making billions of dollars. I mean, this is big money. All of them know that there is dangerous, inappropriate things happening on their platforms. They know it is damaging to children, especially. Young girls, especially, it's very damaging to their development. So they're making money, they know what's happening, these bad things are happening. They could stop it, but they don't. They know it's happening, they know it's harmful, they have the power to stop it, and they don't. Why? because it's big money. I was terrified as I watched it. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of social media anyway, but it, it terrified me. And I think we need to be careful as believers. We need to watch out for our kids. These companies are not out for their good. They're out for their own money, and it's har- it can be very harmful. But what I wanted, I don't want to make the big issue about that, I wanted us to, to see and it shouldn't be a surprise. It's a reminder to me of who is prowling around in our world, Who's, who who steals, kills, and destroys. Who who is that? Who is the one, the God of this world, prowling around? Who is that? Satan. That's the devil. He is at work, and he is screaming at our children. He's screaming at us. We should be careful the voices that are coming into our world and coming into our mind from the outside. What does Ephesians 6.12 tell us? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but what do we wrestle, wrestle against? Power. Demonic, evil forces in the world who are influencing us, who are speaking to us, who are screaming at us, throwing stuff in front of us, in front of our kids. To me, that's just this... Reminder, we must be people of the word. This must be the primary voice in your life, the word of God. It cannot be the word of the enemy. And yet that voice is is prominent in our world today. We need to be turning to the scripture. So let's wrestle with the scripture this morning. Let's get to these three questions talking about Exodus chapter 20. I love these questions because they model, I think, a way of reading scripture that is healthy and God-centered and nudges us towards how do we apply this scripture to our life? How do we live differently? Because it's one thing to know it, but the more important thing is how do I obey? How do I live different having read these words? And my hope is, after we've done this for a while, that each one of you would feel comfortable perhaps leading a small study. You could just take a passage of Scripture and you've got those three questions and you could lead in your home or with your family or friends just a, a short study on, on any Scripture and that God uh, would be there speaking through you. I might even ask some of you to get up here and help me one of these Sundays answer some of these questions. Do I have any volunteers? I can just volunteer tell you, but... No, I, will, I won't will volunteer anyone, but I will be looking for someone to help me at some point, so beware. Don't answer the phone. If it's a 306 area code in front of it, don't answer the phone. Oh, it's Pastor Dave again. <laughs> oh, you would, because you got, yeah. <laughs> okay, question number one. What does this story teach us about God, his character, and what he does? So this is Kind of what jumped out to me this week as I read this scripture and thought about it. Verses 1 and 2, where God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. What jumped out at me is that God is a God who acts, God is a God who rescues. He says, I am the Lord your God. And then he could have said any number of things after that. I'm the Lord your God, I'm your creator. I'm the Lord your God, I've been around for all eternity. I'm the Lord your God, I am the most awesome being in the universe. But he chooses to say this. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I'm the Lord your God, I am your rescuer. And I just thought that's, that's neat. God defines himself as I am the one who rescues you. He could have said a lot of things. He chose to tell us that he is our rescuer. So as we go through these 10 commandments, that's the God that we are obeying, that we are called to obey is a God who rescues us. And when I read verses 3 and 4, the verses that talk about don't have any other gods before me, don't make for yourself any images, don't have any idols, uh, the thing that jumped out at me is that God has a high standard for us. He wants to be first. He's literally jealous of our attention he wants us to be all in there can't be anything else that takes the place of God in your life that, that grabs your attention God wants him to be the one that grabs your attention that has all of your adoration and worship him and him alone then when I read verse 7 Uh, Talking about don't take the Lord's name in vain. I just wrote in my notes, God expects us to hold him in high regard and in holiness. We need to be very careful how we use his name. I just get this picture of this holy God uh, that wants us to hold him in such high regard. Uh, Verse 8 and the verses following talking about the Sabbath. I wrote this in my notes, God expects our belief, our following him, to change the way that we live our lives. The rhythm of your week should be different if you're a follower of God, it's going to change the way that you live. Following God should mean something, it's not just a a thing you say, it changes the way that we live. And Sabbath, true Sabbath is not easy, it runs against our instinct. And our desires. We don't want to rest. We don't want to step away and just allow ourselves to be with God. We always seem to want to be busy. I know years ago when I was a kid there wasn't a farmer, Christian or non-Christian, who didn't take Sundays off. That was a thing in Saskatchewan. Farmers didn't work on Sunday and unfortunately in our culture that's not true anymore. Everyone works. Not everyone, I'm sure everyone, but many farmers now, Christians too, work. What happened to our Sabbath? What happened to our day of rest? That's what God expects. He expects our lives to look different. Then in verse 12 to 17, there's a bunch more commands. I won't go through all of them because I just don't have time this morning. Um, But then there's this this, this scene where... um, Moses is going up to the mountain. There's this storm of thunder and lightning. You know, God's God's up there. There's, his presence is there. And the people are afraid to go up. They say, Moses, you go and talk to him and come back and tell us what he said. But we're going to stay here because we don't want to die. Um, and you know, many times we look at that and we sort of make fun of the Israelites while they're They're too scared. Silly Israelites, why didn't they just go up? Well, they had good reason to be afraid. The presence of God was there. They knew that they would be struck down. And I wrote in my notes, God is a God to be feared. Many times we, and it's very true, the message of grace is true. God is loving, God is kind, he loves us. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could be in his presence. Grace is real, love is true, but God is also a God of justice. God is also a God that should be feared. Um, He is holy and unapproachable. Unless you and I have the blood of Christ applied to our accounts, you cannot approach God. His holiness would strike you down. Uh, Remember reading, the Narnia series as a kid, and there's that that one point in the book, I think it's Lucy, Lucy is talking to one of the animals about Aslan, the lion. Are you familiar with the Narnia stories, right? So Aslan is this picture of God in these stories, this powerful, majestic lion. And Lucy asks something like, I don't know exact words, something to the the effect of, um, is it safe to be around him? And the animal, I forget which animal it is, but answers back to Lucy, no, it's not safe. He's a lion. But he's good. God is good. But he's to be feared. We need to hold him in high regard and honor. He is holy. So next question. What do we learn about people, including ourselves, from this story? Going back through the passage again, just kind of verse by verse. Verse 2, talking about God being our rescuer. What do we learn about people? What do I learn about myself? Or what am I reminded about myself? That I needed to be rescued. I don't know to you, but there was a time in my life where I hit the bottom and I needed to be rescued. And I know many of you would have a similar story. You, you needed to be rescued. I sure did. I needed to be rescued. I was hopeless on my own. I was broken and lost. Does anyone have a story like that? We were broken and lost. We needed to be rescued. And then he shows up. The rescuer comes. That's who God is. God is the God who rescues Verse 3 to 5, again, talking about um, idols, not having gods before him. What do we learn about people from this? I think we all know this. We have a tendency to get hooked on things. We have a tendency to get distracted, and things can vie for our attention. There's a, there's a writer named Gerald May who's a doctor, and years ago he wrote a book about addictions called Addiction and Grace. And in that book he makes the point that we're all addicts. We were all born addicts. And he says, the original intention is that when we were made, we were to be addicted to God. We were to be so looking to him and connected Him to him that he would give us our fulfillment, our peace, our love, that everything that we needed would come from him. But at the fall, that capacity to be addicted gets latched on to other things. We are broken. We need a Savior. Verse. next thing that came to mind on this question for me was verse 8, again, talking about the Sabbath. Um, what we learn about people? We were, we were made to have Sabbath, but that's only one day a week. What are we supposed to do the other six days of the week? We're supposed to do what? Work. We were made to work. We were made to create. We were made to do things. We were made to, to be busy. That's what we were made to do. We were made to work. That's the majority of our time on earth is to work. So guys, hate to break it to you, but as you get older, you're going to work. <laughs> it's just the way it's going to be. That's life. We're made to work, and we rejoice in that. That's how God made us to be creative. He made us to, 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 to fix and to change and to create and to serve what we were made for. Um, and then again, I'll skip those other commands. just don't have time to go through them all this morning. And then, but what did we learn about people? Again, that scene of, of the storm and the lightning up on the mountain. What do we learn about people? When it all comes down to it, we are just mere mortals. We are just people. We are not God. There is a holy, amazing God that we serve. And he is high above us. So the last question, and this is the one that's always tricky to wrestle with because it gets personal. How will you apply God's truth from this story in your life this week? What is a specific action or thing you will do? Now, I've said it already, we don't live under law anymore. We don't follow the law to get holy. We have the forgiveness of our sins by the grace and work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Thank goodness that I don't have to follow the law, because it doesn't take me long to get down that list, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. But thankfully, we don't live under law. We live under the grace of Jesus Christ. That being said, Scripture makes it clear that we are to work out our salvation. We are to pursue righteousness and holiness. Paul many times says to to Timothy in his letters train yourself to be godly. We are to train ourselves, we are to press in, we are to take inventory of our lives and work on ourselves. So for me, as I read this scripture and asked the question, Dave, what will you do this week? How will you apply it to your life? I'm planning on using this passage and doing a bit of spiritual inventory in my life. So I'm going to write down the command and say, okay, God, is there anything that I need to do? Is there anything going on in my life that I need to work on, that I need to be careful about? Is there anything that I can can be wrestling through? So I'm going to go through the first two commandments with you a little bit just to give you a picture of what that might look like. And I would encourage you to do something similar. As you wrestle through this passage, take a spiritual inventory. Say, hey, what do I need to work on? What are some areas that I can can be challenged, that I need to grow, maybe that I need to pray about or I need to get some support? So the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. This one's easy, I'm just gonna skip it because I don't have any problems. Nothing in my life that's distracting me or, or is vying my, getting my attention. Nothing. No, I'm, I'm being completely facetious. This is a tough one for me because it's convicting. There are things in my life that readily take the place of God, that grab my attention and grab my focus, that I spend money and time on, that I would say that I worship. But they're not God. And they, and they grab onto my heart and they distract me. Some of those things would be safety, comfort, and leisure. I seek those things. I put them in, in, a, in a high place in my life. But they're not God. I spend time on them. I, I spend my money when I see someone who I think has it in a way that I would want you know maybe comfort or leisure, I envy them and I, I I want to be like them, but that's not what God wants me to do those things can't take the place. Another thing that I know in my life that that can be a God for me is is status and achievement or uh, Performing well in life and doing well and you know getting that pat on the back even as a pastor. It's it's challenging just You want to do things sometimes because I want to hear that oh good job pastor Dave But that becomes a God to me that becomes something that takes the place of God And God says you shall not have any other gods before me. I want to be number one Dave It's not what God wants from me. Okay, that's convicting enough. Going on to number two. Number two, the second commandment says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You you should not have idols. And sometimes our minds think, well, we don't have any idols. I mean, we don't have idols to other gods in our home. We don't have, you know, a little Buddha or some other god or, you know, some other symbol of, of a deity. But I, I think that, that not having idols is broader than just a deity. I mean, I think it talks about the material things that we have in our life, that we venerate, that we, that we seek after, that grab our attention. I mean, let's be realistic. We live in a materialistic, consumeristic world especially in North America. Um, I wrote in my notes here, we live in a tepid soup of materialism. We don't even know it. It's so normal for us to be consumed by material things that we don't even realize. But they grab our attention, and we spend money on them, we worship them, and they take over our lives. Speaking of social media... I wrote in my notes here, social media is a smorgasbord of idols. You're looking for an idol? Well, head on to social media and you'll find one pretty quick. But God says, don't have those things in your life. Don't bow down to them. Don't worship them. I'm not saying we can't have things. I'm not saying we can't enjoy this world. I think we should. I think we ought to. God's given it to us to enjoy. But they can't become idols. They can't grab your attention and hang on to you. They need to be let go. So I'm going to continue that this week and just work through this passage and say, okay, God, I need to do an inventory. Help me to see the things that I need to work on. So I challenge you all this month to engage with Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 21. If you want more of a challenge, there's a longer passage there. And if you'd like a challenge, memorize the first three verses. And if you're good at memorizing, memorize some more. Please give the online discussion a try. There's a link here, and I'll send it out again on Tuesday. And please join us uh, on the 25th at 7 p.m. We had about 10 or 12 people last time. Uh, discussing our last passage, and I found it to be really rich. I love just sitting down, reading Scripture with people, and talking about it. Um, That's like jet fuel for my spiritual life and my faith, is just being with people and in an intimate setting, just enjoying Scripture. So please come and join us. Let's be people of the Word. Let's be people who hear God's voice. The Word of God is living and active, but in order for that to happen, you have to read it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, and I'm wondering, guys, if you can lead us. Um, what's the song you sang after, How Great is Our God? There was the old hymn, How Great Thou Art. Can you lead us in a few rounds of that, How Great, How Great Thou Art? Yeah. I just feel like some of us have had some things happen in our life this week, Some of us are suffering. I don't know about you, but I I just feel kind of a little slow today. And you're thinking, oh, Pastor Dave, you're always kind of (laughs) slow. I'm just feeling a little bit sluggish in my faith and in my spiritual life. And I think we need to just proclaim the greatness of God in the midst of whatever we're dealing with, wherever we're at. We just need to choose to praise. And so... I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing if you're able. And for some of us, you need to take your worship to just maybe a little bit of the next stage. Just shout it out. Just praise him today. If you want to raise your hands and sing, raise your hands. If you want to sing a bit louder, no one here is going to judge your voice. Just just let it rip. Praise God. He is great. He is worthy of our praise. Let's praise him this morning.